Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. It's been a few days, Frank. I'm personally very glad that you are back, solid footing on ground and back on the podcast. I missed you, mate. <laughs> Thanks. I, I was, uh, you know, it's... <laughs> You're, you're continuing to laugh because of my stories of my whole family getting sick. Is that, is that what's going on? <laughs> okay, first of all, that uh, made me yeah, sound like an a, asshole. It's a, it's... I'm not laughing because your whole family is sick, first of all. <laughs> Let me just clear that up. That's, that's complete bullshit. And I just said that I missed you, and now I want to take that back. <laughs> well, I was uh, I, I caught up on uh, on some of your, your pods while I was gone. And as usual, you do a wonderful job bringing in uh, great people to uh, um, make me feel like I'm, I'm not being missed at all, which is a nice thing uh, with Zora yesterday and, and Justin the other day. So I, I'm, I'm always excited to uh, uh, hear, be surprised by who you, uh, who you were able to get on the pod. So that was fun. Uh, not fun was I was had time to listen to your podcast because um, I had to drive home a day early from uh, a work trip because my wife is... Um, but she is, uh, let's just say, out for the Bucks game tomorrow with flu-like symptoms. Of so um, I'm, I'm just hoping my uh, two-year-old doesn't uh, also get knocked out by it because uh, I really am hoping I can take her to take care tomorrow so I can do all the work I'm supposed to be doing. So anyway, um, ironically, my cruise, my five-day cruise uh, through the Gulf of Mexico to Mexico, uh, the Yucatan, and Cozumel, uh, went very well, and we didn't think we were sick coming out of that. Uh, but here we are a couple days later. Uh, I still feel okay. We'll see if I still feel that way in a couple of days. But anyway, um, yeah, I so you, you've been carrying the pod here for a week basically. Um, but I have, I mean, I have some, I have some NBA All Star weekend thoughts. Uh, I, I was able to watch most of the festivities uh, from my cruise ship hotel room on. ESPN Caribbean there's like a Caribbean 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 there's a Caribbean ESPN which um carried all the all-star festivities even the like the, even though it was on TNT for most of it uh I was able to watch the all-star game I was able to watch pretty much the whole dunk contest so um I you know I don't know if you're all taked out at this point but I I can I can give you my thoughts and you can uh you know tell me how brilliant they are that you disagree or whatever, but I'm, I'm happy to, to at long last weigh in with my stale thoughts after everybody <laughs> is probably over all-star weekend. No, I I'm glad. And, and I, I will admit that I did uh, message Frank this morning and said, uh, I, I'm, I need you to come with some sort of fire tonight. I need you to some come with some sort of content because uh, it's, it's been a long all-star break and I'm almost, uh, I've almost at the, at the bottom of the content barrel. 
Well, uh, you know, every every week or so, I like to parachute in and and provide some uh, provide some much needed spice here. So let me let me just jump in here. Uh, I'll just go I'll just go chronologically, right? Um, to make to make you know, did Mark Lazar do do student doing anything score? And he usually gets some buckets in the in celebrity. Is that that's pretty much the only Bucks tie-in for Friday night, right? Because we didn't have anybody in the Rising Stars. Uh, yeah, we're, 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 anything to take away from uh, Mr. Lazar's performance in the in the celebrity game? Am I allowed to admit that I did not watch that? Oh yeah, you're absolutely allowed to. Okay, anyway, <laughs> I was not watching that. I was in Chicago. I was at uh, a variety of bars uh, in the Chicago area, and I was definitely not watching the celebrity game. So let me just say that. Good for you, man. That sounds like a much better use of your your, yeah, right. your social skills. Right. Uh, so so anyway, yeah. If someone wants to tweet at me, uh, I, I actually sadly I actually looked on the NBA app and actually looked to see if they had a box score from the celebrity game, uh, <laughs> but I did not see one. So uh, there was a there was a Rising Stars box score. I know that. Yeah. Um, but I, I did not see it. So anyway, that that concludes our completely useless discussion of the celebrity game that neither of us saw. I'm sure it was fun. Obviously, um, sure. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, so Saturday, um, first off, skills comp. Let's just can we just punt the skills competition into like the sun? <laughs> I, I I I find the skills competition just completely useless. Uh, it, you know, like everything just comes down to like, it's like only two things, right? It's basically, can you throw the ball in the first try into the into the passing thing, right. and then do you make the jump shot, right? Like that, those are really the only things. I guess I heard Chris Middleton like stumbled or, or misgirbled or something, but but whatever, who cares, Chris. Like nobody is is worse on All Star Saturday night than Chris Middleton at this point, right? <laughs> For some reason, can't shoot in the three point shootout. Couldn't couldn't uh, pull it off here in the the skills competition, but you know, completely useless. Uh, they got rid of shooting stars a few years ago. Let's get rid of the skills competition too. Nobody cares, right? Uh, so that that is my skills competition take. Um, so the, uh, <laughs> the the dunk contest, I, you know, whatever. I don't have any really fire takes here. Um, I will say this, my, my biggest take, here, here's my, my, my hottest take on this. I was happy. I was obviously rooting for Pat Connaughton. Go Bucks. Uh, hashtag let Pat dunk. Um, hashtag uh, see Joe dunk. Um, but <laughs> that's a throwback. Um, that, I wonder if that domain is still, the Joe Alexander see Joe dunk uh, domain is still out there. I might have to check on that. Um, but uh, I w- I'll say this. I think... Pat Connaughton not making the finals is like was like maybe the best possible outcome given what we saw in that contest. Because let's be honest, Pat did not have the bag of tricks <laughs> to, to go dunk for dunk with Derek Jones Jr. or, or Aaron Gordon. Like, love Pat. Very cool. Like that he busted out the white men can't jump. Very cool that you know he had Giannis out there and he did a pretty pretty cool creative dunk with the tap against the backboard. Um, but let's be honest, being able to uh, get knocked out uh, after a fifty. And uh, you know, leaving people with a good taste in their mouths, you know, very much, you know, uh, not like the uh, the Giannis dunk contest appearance a few years back. Um, I thought that was perfect. He didn't have to get exposed for not having any more interesting, <laughs> more interesting dunks. Which I don't know if he had any uh, other kind of more interesting dunks. Uh, and like, I think, I think when you watch Pat, when you watch like Pat do those dunks, even when you watch him in games, I think you really notice in dunk contests, guys who like don't have like really big hands who can't palm the ball easily or have long arms. I feel like that's a huge impediment to just like doing really cool looking stuff because it's just, you know, I mean, again, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm not saying Pat has tiny hands, but 
like like that Aaron Gordon dunk where he like basically spun through the air while he's holding the ball. Yeah. Um, like you know you gotta you gotta have like a really firm grip on the ball. I don't think Pat's able to pull it off anything like that. So um, the fact that he got eliminated and kind of be like, oh, he got screwed. You know, like that's maybe to me that's maybe the best possible option. He didn't actually have to uh, get exposed for maybe not having any too many dunks. Although I would have been curious to see what else he would have brought up if he had made the finals. So shout out to Pat. Good job. Good effort. Um, and then as for the, the actual, um, the finals there, you know, I would agree with a lot of people's takes that, um, you know, maybe doing like a ranking after, even after the first round, right. Just letting maybe each guy do a dunk and then forcing the judge to like rank order them rather than just give, you know, 10 point, uh, scores, uh, would probably be a, you know, obviously a better way to make sure that you, you don't end up with these um, extended uh, tie type situations. Although, I mean, let's be honest, like if Gordon wins on that taco fall dunk, no one, I mean, we wouldn't really be complaining about this probably. We'd be just saying, Oh, that was a phenomenal ending. And I'll say this too, like, and you mentioned this, uh, I think on the pod uh, the other day, like, that the no dunks guys are saying like dunking over people is sort of played out. I agree. You know, like dunking over chance, the rapper also though, is not the same as dunking over <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Taco Fall. Um, and to me, like I, you know, again, I thought Gordon should have won it purely because like literally he had, didn't know it and did not know what he was going to do. And like, basically like all the players courtside right. just said like, go dunk over the tallest guy here. And then he just did it. Right. Like right. to me, that's like, you come on, that's just great showmanship. Right. That's just great drama. It's not like so many of the like pre-rehearsed stuff where it's like, you know, drag some TikTok dancer people out that, you know, people in their thirties like me have no idea who they are and have them dance <laughs> over here. I mean, like whatever, nobody cares, right? Like that's like, oh, okay. Um, kind of the manufactured drama or like Dwight putting like the Kobe thing on and like basically getting like a pity 50 because he had the Kobe reference on it. It's just like, eh, you know, like th- that's a double-edged sword, right? Like sometimes it's cool like Pat doing the lineman can't jump. That's cool. Right. Like some of this other stuff is like, oh, come on, like just you know, whatever. But um, yeah, like having everybody was like, don't go over that guy. And then actually going and doing it. Come on. Like, what, what else do you want? What else do you want? From like he could have hurt himself very badly if he doesn't clear a freaking seven, five guy. So um, shout out to Aaron Gordon. Um, it is not a crime against humanity that he does not have any dunk contest titles. I thought um, Zach Levine was, perfectly deserving of the first one it's fine whatever he's he's had some awesome dunks but um but it's fine uh so i don't know maybe, maybe they'll maybe they'll change up the scoring a little bit but um you know good, good, for, good for the dunk contest it's always nice in the dunk contest actually is, is fun and interesting and, um my other thing i feel like this has been going on since the beginning of dunk contests like in the 90s when i started watching why does every player feel like they have to record the whole freaking dunk contest on their phones like like what? Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand people who go to concerts and like record like whole yeah. songs on their freaking phone. Like, I, and I don't understand why NBA players have to record dunk contests on at least their cameras are now smaller. You know, like in the '90s when guys were holding like the camcorders so like bigger. <laughs> like that was just that was just like seemed really annoying. But it's like, are, like is Shaq, Shaq has like record done this at every dunk contest for the last twenty years. Like Shaq, are you going back and watching? your videos of your handheld videos of dunk contests. Like, do we not have enough cameras documenting the dunk contest experience? Like, why not just, just make some memories, just, you know, enjoy just it, watch as, it as a, just watch it. Yeah. 
so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that Kane, but I, um, you know, screw Dwayne Wade for, for kind of fixing it also. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, a dunk contest. Good for the dunk contest. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I do think, like, particularly in relation to Dwayne Wade, I mean, the, the biggest thing is that I said with the first two dunks, I think that you could, and this is arguable, but I think you could make a case to say that Pat Connaughton's dunk over Giannis, particularly because, yes, he jumped over him. We spoke about the fact that that's getting a little bit old now, jumping over people, but the fact that Pat jumped over Giannis uh, sort of threw in the wrinkle of, like, touching the backboard and then throwing it down. Uh, that was very cool. And also his first dunk, the fact that he did a first go. I mean, that's that's my biggest thing that I keep coming back to. I think there has to be some sort of penalty if you don't get the dunk the first time. Um, I, I'm, I know that's not easy when you're trying to do really cool things, but I still think it's, it's kind of weird that someone can throw down uh, a pretty good dunk on their first attempt and someone else can take three or four uh, tries and and still score more than you. It always is is kind of a, a weird thing to me that that's the way that they score this and and ultimately I just think fifties are too easy to get. Like uh, I think that yeah, all those dunks were great. Like I'm not saying that Aaron Gordon's five dunks in a row where he got fifty weren't great, but uh, it's you know I mean there was certainly one or two of those that were better than others, but everyone is a fifty because that's the way the scoring set up. So I don't know. I'm not sure how you, you fix the dunk contest. It does seem a little bit stale. It was really fun. Like I had a great time watching it and there was still some really cool stuff. And and ultimately like all the dunks are like very cool and very impressive. But uh, I don't know. It does feel like we are sort of like getting to a point where it's like, okay, uh we've seen literally everything that's almost possible. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching, uh, <clears throat> just scrolling through my Twitter feed, and I think in the last week I've seen multiple videos pop up of, uh, including, I think, Jalen Johnson, who plays um, your, uh, is it Whitefish Bay or Nicolay? One of, one of those two. I should know this, given I went to Homestead High School, which is you know, Nicolay's big rival. Maybe I don't want to admit that Nicolay is way better than Homestead at basketball right now. But um, <laughs> but Jalen Johnson, who's going to go to Duke next year, he he just, like, casually did a between the legs dunk in a game on a breakaway uh, and then i also saw another video of a uh like just like some random like white kid who looked like he was like six three just like steal like get a ball on a on a break and just do a casual between the legs dunk in a high school game and it's just like it's it's just insane how like yeah. normalized that has become um which is is cool i mean you see this in other sports too right i mean like i don't know i mean maybe we're comparison like figure skating right like i remember when i first started watching the olympics like a triple axel was like a big deal and now people do like quadruple axles and, and stuff like that right and it's like you know just people trying stuff and learning stuff and whatever and it's just you know things just get bigger and, and more complicated and, and more impressive and um i mean i remember i think it was i think it was isaiah Ryder, uh formerly known as jr Ryder. it had to be mid 90s i think did the first between the legs dunk in an all-star in a dunk contest and it was just like oh my god like how the heck did he do that like how did he even think of that right and now it's just totally normalized and people do it from the free throw line like Zach Levine or you know alley-oops or all it's just it's just crazy how how much people kind of continue to push the bar so I I think um I I still think like we're seeing things that we haven't exactly seen before um in these dunk contests but I agree like a lot of it it you know I mean I will not doubt uh these guys ability to think of new stuff um we still haven't seen like a 720 
in a in an NBA <laughs> contest. Uh, I, I know there was a guy who did that on like a I think it was an and one mixtape yeah. sport thing like ten years ago. So it's kind of crazy that nobody has uh, done that in the NBA. Like Zach Levine, could Zach Levine do that? I don't know. He just practice it a bunch. Like maybe he could. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe there's maybe some still some stuff out there that could be done. But um, all right. So that's the dunk contest. Now for the All Star game. Um, so yeah, I mean, not, again, not very spicy. Uh, Elam ending, very cool. Um, and my main takeaway from the Elam ending, uh, I don't know if I care that much about the free th- ending on a free throw. It was obviously anticlimactic. Um, I, I think there's been different arguments, like like maybe do you do like an off ball foul on the penalty? Do you do like one one free throw plus the ball or something like that? You know, just to reduce the chance of having a game end on a free throw. Um, but in general, I think it was obviously a really fascinating kind of Petri dish type thing, right? Just to see, okay, what does this do to the dynamic, especially like how teams, you know, just are approaching things defensively, offensively. And, you know, I think there's always this fascination where like, okay, you put literally like, you know, more talent on the floor than you'd ever see in a regular season game. Like what happens, Right. And what matchups do you see? And does good offense beat good defense? Does good defense beat good offense? Um, I thought that was really interesting. And I thought it was very interesting that, you know, for the most part, um, you know, like teams really struggled to, to do anything. And again, maybe there was some bad shooting since it was obviously just, you know, for that one quarter. But um, I thought it was really fun. And my, my, I think the thing that I most, that I came away with that thinking was, and, and I think I saw this somewhere suggested as well, but, you know, there's been a lot of kind of, um, I would say there's not been a lot of enthusiasm about this idea of a midseason like tournament, right? Like kind of a European style cup competition, kind of parallel to the season, like you know, dropped in the middle of the season. Um, but I think to me, when when I saw the the, the elementing thing, I thought, well, they, you know, it would be very easy to throw that rule into like a cup, which doesn't exist currently, right? And basically say, okay, you know what? Like, there's no history, right? Like, if you, if you suddenly make, like, you know, the regular season go by these this new ending, it's going to be jarring, right? Like, as basketball fans, like, that's that's weird. That's a huge change. But if you throw it in a cup competition, it basically, like, gives us an incentive. It's like, wow, I really want to watch this just to see what happens, right? Like, is it going to be, like, the All-Star game? Is it going to be just entertaining? What What's it going to be like? So, that that was probably one of the things that I, I kind of came away most thinking about was, you know, is that something that we can figure out different ways to use it? I mean, you know, maybe they'll use it in the G League, like, you know, they, they'll experiment different ways. Um, but I, I think it's a fun concept that obviously addresses something that I don't think anybody is in love with, you know, namely, namely the way that, that games kind of get bogged down and become free throw contests, um, you know, late in, in the fourth quarter, lots of timeouts. So I thought that was, you know, a fun way to, to end it. Um, but I don't know what, what was your, I don't know. What, what, what are you, what are your thoughts? Like, I mean, I, I, I can't remember if, if you touched on the Elam ending, like it's applicability, but what, what was sort of your take? Is this an all-star game only type thing for you? Or where were you at? I think, I mean, I would not want to see that at any stage brought into, as you sort of pointed to regular season or, or anything like that. Um, I think it is going to be best served as a gimmick type thing. So whether that's purely the all-star game as, or as you pointed to, if at some point, which 
now it, it's been spoken about so much that it feels kind of inevitable that there is going to be some sort of mid-season tournament at some stage, whether that's in the, in the near future or moving forward. It looks like there's going to be some sort of innovation in the game in the regular season uh, to spark interest during the, the sort of the, the dead month, maybe December, January, whatever it's going to be. There seems like there's going to be something brought in. So I would say, as you sort of pointed to, if you wanted people to find some reason to be interested in that and i've spoken about this before with the mid-season tournament in general that i don't think that like the thought of watching that doesn't really excite me and maybe it might have five or six years ago uh or or even longer when the when the bucks were terrible and i'm like okay well milwaukee can't actually win anything this season in terms of a a playoff series or or certainly not a, a title but Maybe they can win a mid-season tournament. That seems like fun. Like if we can win something. So maybe I would have had more interest years ago um, when it felt like that was the greatest achievement you can have in a regular season outside of getting a lottery pick. But that would be the type of thing that would draw me in. Because even if you're watching two teams that aren't necessarily great, if you know that there's not necessarily a, a time clock, but there is a target score like that and the game is close. And I think in general, it brought about a desperation from the all-star game that would not have been there if there was a running clock. I I think I read somewhere, I don't know if you know this for sure, but I I think the fourth quarter was like over 15 minutes of actual playing time. I I think I read that somewhere. So for an all-star game, I know the first quarter went for, I think, five minutes and 36 seconds before Team LeBron had 24 points on the board. So the fact that the fourth quarter went for over 15 minutes, uh, I mean, tells you that not only were these two teams locking in defensively, but there was a desperation and perhaps, I don't know if like nervousness is the right word, but there was certainly some shots that were questionable that were being taken. And it, and it felt like a high stakes, high pressure situation, even though it was just an all-star game. So if you could bring that in and, and have that feel to a tournament, whether it was a knockout tournament or whatever they decide to do uh, eventually and whatever the prize may be that would have teams desperately trying to win those games. I don't know. I mean, I think there is a certain competitiveness that comes out in these guys that, no matter what they're playing for, that would bring out maybe the best in them in in those types of situations. So I definitely don't want to see this a lot, but I think in these situations where it's rare and something that we're not used to and something we don't see all the time, I think it could be pretty fun. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned the time because I think uh, I think I was listening to the Bill Simmons pod with Ryan Russillo, and I think I think Russillo mentioned that the last the last quarter took 41 minutes. Yeah, which you know is <laughs> kind of those things. But I mean, it makes sense because they shot what 35% or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's going to be the correlation. If teams can't score, then it's going to take way longer. Um, but and in a, in a sense know, that that builds suspense though, because it felt like at, at the all-star game, the longer it went, it was like, okay, who, who, who actually can win this? Who's going to be the one to make the shot? It felt like no one could make a shot. And generally, if you're watching basketball and no one's making a basket, you think that the, it's it's awful. Like, it's tough to watch. It's bad basketball. But that wasn't the case with this. It felt like the longer it went, the the more the suspense built. And it was it was kind of really fun. Yeah, and the one thing that we didn't see, which, um, you know, gets back to the free throw thing, is, you know, the, one of the great things is, 
you know, every game literally has a game winning shot right now. Okay. Not necessarily in the way we're used to thinking about yeah. it. Right. It's like, Oh, game's tied or you're down sure. and you hit a shot to win it. But you know, every shot, every game has a walk off bucket. Right. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. pretty cool. Right. Like, and it'd be fun to, and everybody, anybody's played pickup obviously knows kind of that feeling. Right. Like as somebody who would always shoot, I mean, I, you know, <clears throat> you know, when, when I've always played like in, you know, college, I play a lot of pickup and at work, um, my old job, we played pickup for, for work sometimes, you know, we would always play ones and twos, which of course for me as somebody like to shoot threes was great. Right. Because I was just, you know, like <laughs> literally your, your favorite shots were twice uh, anything inside the yard. So I was always going for, for twos anyway, but then especially, you know, if you have to win by two um, and a game's tied, you're like, Oh yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to hit this, this two to, to win the game. Whereas, you know, if I had to, you know, anything inside the arc you got to score another point so um i'm i'm just that's like kind of the stuff that i would be fascinated by and we saw lebron go for that like you know 40 foot dagger three right like how would it change behavior you know with sort of that hero ball complex right of of guys wanting to to win the game uh you know uh, quote unquote win the game uh get that walk off right uh and and i don't know it's just it's just a really interesting thing you know especially if i think people are Obviously, like a lot of probably people listen to our podcast, people are really hoops junkies. Like, you know, it's just a it's just a really interesting experiment. Like, how do people change their behaviors? You know, and and especially just like the dynamics between offense and defense. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was really interesting. Um, other than that, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say I was obviously disappointed that you know Giannis was very much very marginalized in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't really know that I would say it was like Nick Nurse doing like something totally illogical or bad or whatever. Um, you know, I think hunting James Harden and going to Joel Embiid, who's, I mean, his his post, you know, if you look at the the post up stats on NBA.com, I mean, he's by far the most, the best, most efficient post up scorer, and he's also the guy who has by far the most post attempts per game. So, look, going to Joel Embiid against a smaller guy it's not necessarily entertaining to watch, but in a half court game where you've got LeBron and Kawhi and Anthony Davis out there to, you know, basically swarm and just, you know, I mean, a guy like Giannis going up against that, that defense, uh, given the way that they can collapse. Like, yeah, I, I honestly don't think Giannis is probably going to have a lot of success in a half court game unless they're, you know, again, he gets a smaller guy on him or something like that. So, I, I didn't really have that. I mean, I, I could kind of understand why Giannis was kind of marginalized um, and he had some chances and just couldn't take them. Um, but yeah, so I was a little disappointed, you know, that he wasn't able to really do anything, but you know, again, I'm, I'm also not going to um, use the all-star game as some sort of litmus test for, Oh yeah. Giannis doesn't have a clutch chain or, <laughs> you know, you can't play, play through him in uh, key moments of, of games. Um, because I mean, did Kawhi have like one bucket in the fourth quarter? I think, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody was exactly getting buckets, right. It was like Embiid getting fouled and, uh, and I think he hit like one or two shots, but everybody else, you know, kind of, it wasn't exactly a work of art as you, know, as you were saying with the, the shooting. So um, I have no big takeaways for regular season or playoff basketball from it. Um, but certainly as a Bucks fan, yeah. I mean, I wanted team Giannis to win. I was hoping Giannis could do something offensively, uh, late to maybe claim that that MVP trophy, uh, and that said, it was pretty cool seeing him block three shots in the fourth quarter, yeah. which 
Um, I mentioned on Twitter, he hasn't had three blocks in a single game since November. I mean, his stocks are way, way down this year. And obviously part of it's playing fewer minutes, but um, you know, I, I, that's why like when occasionally like the like defensive player of the year stuff comes up and I'm just like, you know, again, like there's a lot more defense than blocks and steals, obviously, but uh, you know, I mean, he didn't win it last year when he was, I'd say, you know, more obviously impactful by making those sorts of plays. Uh, and I think obviously a lot of Giannis' great defense is just by the fact that people don't want to try stuff near him. So you can't really measure that. And obviously the kind of at-rim defense numbers have been like league best this year for him. So it's not like I have any questions that Giannis is still playing great defense, but um, it is interesting that he really has not been getting steals or blocks at really kind of a rate, I think probably since his like rookie year, he's kind of at one of his lowest, uh, lowest rates for those things. So it was fun to see him kind of lock in and, and make those kind of plays. And also kind of interesting to think about too. I mean, um, he obviously doesn't defend the best player on the opposing team one-on-one very much. Uh, and I kind of wonder, you know, you block LeBron twice in those situations, hmm. including yeah, that exactly. incredible, um, you know, borderline goaltend slash block play, which is just remarkable. Um, but I kind of wonder too, like, would he get more blocks if he actually wasn't roving off ball? Cause it doesn't seem like people even want to like go near, <laughs> go near, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe he was defending better players. Maybe they would just shoot jump shots too. So, uh, so I don't know. Well, any, any other thoughts on, I guess, Giannis and kind of what, what we saw from him? No, I mean, defensively, like I, I, I think, I think I mentioned this, but you know, offensively, I, there was no takeaways I took from Giannis or the fact that he didn't, seemingly get a lot of touches down the stretch I, I didn't read anything into that i didn't take anything from that defensively though it was interesting because as you said he took the challenge of not only lebron james but he also had a block on anthony davis and then we seen him on another possession defending james harden i i think he was called for a foul there which was kind of suspect i guess but it seemed like he wanted the challenge of defending everyone and I know at times during the Eastern Conference Finals, there was certainly, well, why isn't Giannis just defending Kawhi more often? And like you sort of pointed to, it's kind of a nice reminder that he's so great at roaming and playing that sort of freelance role on defense and sort of backing up Brook Lopez, who already by himself is one of the best rim protectors in the league. Uh, to have Giannis flying over on uh, up with the help is, is obviously a great weapon to have. But... You know, I mean, I couldn't help but watch that and think about potentially the Bucks and the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And if you're coming down the stretch in a big game and saying, okay, Giannis, like, this is it now. Maybe we have had Wes Matthews defending LeBron James. Maybe we have had Chris Middleton at times defending LeBron and other guys, uh, you know, potentially Marvin Williams now, all these guys that they do have. But, hey, we're down the stretch now, Giannis. This is your job. You go defend uh, LeBron. And two of the more remarkable blocks. I mean, you, you spoke about the one from behind. That was ridiculous. But even the one on the step back, I mean, LeBron tried to clear him out with his shoulder. I don't know if there's another player in the league that he wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to get that shot off. I mean, it, it was a nice reminder, if you needed it at all, at just how ridiculously long, how ridiculously athletic, quick, everything that Giannis is. It was, it was an amazing stretch of play. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I think here's the thing. I mean, against like the Lakers, I mean, there's nowhere to hide Giannis on like a yeah, bad no player, question. No question. you know, against the Lakers, right? Because they're starting 
you know, uh, they've been starting traditional centers all season. So, I mean, obviously, Brooke is going to guard JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard to start. He'd guard one of those guys. And then, you know, you've got LeBron and AD, and, you know, you're not going to put Giannis on KCP or something. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's probably going to have to defend AD as when it's the starters. And then I think the interesting thing is obviously, um, you know, if, if they do go to lineups with, with Anthony Davis at center, um, you know, what, what is the Bucks play there? Do they go with Giannis at center? Uh, do they stay with Brooke at center? Um, and hope that, you know, kind of AD's quickness advantage doesn't, doesn't kind of win out. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, again, you know, are you, you putting Giannis on, you know, is Kyle Kuzma in the game? <laughs> Can you put him on Kyle Kuzma? That, that might not be a bad thing. Um, so uh, anyway, yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting thing to, to kind of watch. Um, and yeah, I just think back to that Clippers game where you know, you've got Paul George and Kawhi and you end up with Giannis guarding Mark, uh, uh, Mo Harkless. <laughs> and you had Pat Beverly guarding Chris Middleton for that's what seemed like the most, most of the first yeah. quarter. Um, and it's just like, really? You got Kawhi and Paul George, like literally two of the like maybe the two best like individual wing defenders out there and you're not even going to bother putting him on Chris Middleton. Like, I mean, to me that kind of was like, all right, this is why this is a regular season game and not a playoff game. Um, so it, it's, it will be interesting to watch. And the only other thing I'd mentioned though, I mean, I think the other obvious argument against putting Giannis on those types of players is just foul trouble. Right. I mean, did Giannis have four fouls in the all-star game? <laughs> the all-star game like you know um that that's obviously a limited a limiting factor but you know if he's got two or three fouls late in the game um and you know you want to put him on uh a Kawhi or lebron obviously there it, it you know can can make some sense you're obviously not probably in, in any sort of danger at, at that point so um anyway yeah i don't know but generally enjoyable all-star weekend uh, I, I was also bummed Giannis missed a windmill dunk um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've kind of talked about like how he doesn't look quite as explosive, uh, maybe the last couple months. Um, obviously, he's bigger than he was a couple years ago. But I just think back to that also game a couple years ago where he was just like windmilling like everything, <laughs> like you know. And uh, I mean, he'll still throw on some windmills. He's 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 missed one or two windmills off the back yeah. iron this year. Um, this one he missed off the front, which is kind of embarrassing, but. Um, but yes, so Giannis, uh, I don't know, maybe he just was a little sleep deprived from uh, that new baby, but, um, you know, I mean, again, it's, uh, we're nitpicking at this point, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I think we're ready for regular season basketball to come back. I think it's the the long and short of it. And what better way to go back to regular season basketball than for the Bucks to play the, um, you know, bizarro practice squad Bucks, uh, known as the Detroit Pistons, who at this point are, you know, it's like basically a thon maker and Christian Wood and a cloud of dust. Is that my, I haven't done much research here, but is, is that the Detroit Pistons at this point? Um, uh, they just waved Reggie Jackson. Andre Drummond's gone. Blake Griffin's out for the season. Um, the Bucks have won a million games in a row against the Pistons. So <laughs> maybe maybe this is the game that they're going to lose, right? Just because if ever there was a road game that they were going to win, maybe it should be this one. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened, especially the first game out of, uh, out of the All-Star Bay. Well, the, the really interesting thing about the Bucks coming back from All-Star break is that uh, they flew to Detroit earlier, or last night now, we're past midnight here. So last night they flew to Detroit. They had a late practice uh, starting at 3 p.m., which is late for them. I mean, they generally practice at, at noon is, is the standard time that they'll uh, practice during the regular season. But that was actually their second practice back from the All-Star break. Last night, they practiced at 
6 p.m., which that's definitely the first night practice they've had this season. I'm not sure. I don't think I remember them having one night practice last season at all. So I, I think that that was the first time they practiced that night that, that we've been uh, invited to as, as the media since Bud has been here. And I asked Bud about the practice. I'm like, is, what's the point of getting them back for the night here? Is this like you guys just trying to blow out the cobwebs? Are you just getting the guys back together and have a bit of a light shoot around? And he sort of laughed and he's like, no. He's like, we practice hard tonight and we practice long and we were, we were scrimmaging. We were trying some different things. We were out here running a serious practice. And then uh, the second session, uh, which was Wednesday afternoon, Robin Lopez, I asked him and he said, no, this was very atypical live for, for the Bucks. This was a, a longer practice than we've had. And we were, we were really working hard. And it's kind of interesting because if there was any doubt about this Bucks team coming back from the All-Star break and maybe uh, coming out a, a little bit slow or a little bit rusty, or and that's not to say that it won't happen, but there's no doubt that Bud is getting these guys back and saying, okay, uh, we've got work to do. And yes, this was incredible first half, or really first two-thirds of the regular season, but uh, we've got a lot still to improve on and the goal is still ahead of us. And that's the, the run home to the playoffs, which the schedule is going to get more difficult. And uh, they're going to play some really good teams heading into the, uh, into the postseason and hopefully have a long playoff run. So for me, speaking to those guys, seeing those guys and seeing how quickly they've got straight back into it. There's no relaxing. There's no, okay, we're 46 and eight. We can, we can afford to lose a couple of games. That's just not the attitude these guys have. And that uh, for me is, is, it's cool to see because I, I just don't think that that is the case around the league. Um, you don't know how teams are going to come back from the break, but from all reports and from talking to the guys, they've come back and they're ready to go. And uh, they had a couple of days off and now it's like, okay, let's continue the job. Yeah. Very happy to see George Hill back uh, yeah, exactly. in, in a uniform and not just a name on, on the injury report after that hamstring injury. So nice that they got him uh, what seems like a pretty extended rest hamstring is probably the last thing you want to mess around with and bring a yeah. guy back too early. Um, so the fact that the Bucks, you know, pretty much held it together very nicely with, uh, with Hill out and given what he's meant to them is, um, you know, again, we've seen it all season guys, guys miss some games, you know, whether it's Chris or even Giannis, right. Up until that Indiana game, I mean, it's, it's been remarkable how much the Bucks have, have not missed, uh, you know, when, when key guys have been out. Now they haven't really had like games where they've been missing like four, rotation guys you know they haven't had kind of those like really bad um injury rashes and you just knock on wood that you know here down the home stretch you, you don't have an injury like that I and mean, last year you just think back to you know the brogdon injury or, or even the meritage injury late in the season it's just like oh god excuse me why now right um so again kind of just hope that you keep guys healthy keep guys fresh um and uh keep keep momentum going uh and again i i, I don't care at all I and mean, you guys you and justin talked about you know, the 70 win thing. Right. I, I really don't, I personally don't. It's sort of one of those things like if I knew the Bucks are going to win a championship, then I would say, oh, I want them to win as many games as possible. And, you know, win seven games win a championship, all of a sudden, like that's one of the greatest seasons in NBA history. Right. Uh, but not knowing what happens in the playoffs and the sort of, and again, I don't know if it really matters, but just sort of like, again, just like, like that pressure will just be ratcheted up just a little bit more if you're a 70 win team. And, and again, we know that that's not really what, um, what's really going to matter as far as this team's legacy, right? What's matter is, is, is whether they can win a championship or not. So 
uh, you know, if they can rest guys and not play guys a ton of minutes and win 70 games, like that's awesome. Super impressive. Um, but if they win 68 games, Jesus, that's an amazing, <laughs> that's an amazing season. Right. I mean, as you were pointing out uh, last night or two nights ago as well. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to get back to it. first, first Giannis game back since uh, the birth of his son. So hopefully he's, uh rested up enough um given he has had just the all-star game obviously there's a lot of other stuff going on uh over all-star weekend so hopefully that fatigue has been uh he's caught up on his sleep a little bit here with the, the past few days and um yeah certainly the pistons obviously in a kind of very transitional state right now um you know as long as derrick rose doesn't go too crazy you'd probably feel very good about your chances uh and uh, yeah, Christian Wood and Don Maker have been starting together. I think the last game basically <laughs> combined for yeah. 44 points. Yeah. Um, so shout out to those guys. Obviously, you know, hashtag the Woodlands. Uh, I've, you know, enjoyed uh, Christian Wood's uh, ascendance a little bit here. Now, granted, he's doing this on a team that's going nowhere and mostly losing efforts. So, <laughs> you know, maybe not that big of a deal. And um, he has not looked particularly good against the Bucks. The Bucks are probably the team that is just like, built to completely uh nullify a guy like wood who obviously he can shoot the threes a bit you think he's in at 38 percent from three this year but um you know his his game trying to get to the rim he's got kind of that holo Giannis type type game very difficult when you have to go up against actual Giannis and brooke lopez or robin lopez depending defending the rim so um certainly work cut out for for him and, and obviously fun as well but um yeah we'll see we'll see how things go i, I will say this it you know, these previous games, especially that last game in Detroit, they've had a little bit of edge, right? Especially that last game in Detroit with, with Blake and, and Drummond as well. Right. Drummond's a bit of a – he's kind of a wimpy trash talker. Like, I don't think anybody really – like, I think Andre Drummond, like, wants to get in people's heads, but it doesn't really work. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It, those two guys being out, certainly, uh, from being gone. Uh, it definitely takes some of the edge off of this rivalry. Reggie Jackson now also gone, heading to LA apparently as a buyout guy. Um, but you know, you know how we know how this goes, right? Team has a monster three-point shooting night for whatever reason. Um, I'm sure Christian Wood and Don Maker are going to get a lot of looks at open threes if they, if they can hit them. And uh, you know, this is why you play the games. And Bucks, obviously, at this point, they have taken care of business. These are the games the Bucks win, one loss all year against losing teams. So. Um, Obviously, we would bank on that happening again, but um, I'm just happy, happy to have NBA basketball back. Me too. This is going to be good. It, it, it does just feel like it's been a long time, and I guess it has. I mean, you don't get this kind of stretch. And kind of weird because the Bucks are in Paris and they didn't play too often, so it feels like uh, we've sort of been deprived of Bucks basketball a fair bit in, in February here. But Bucks and Pistons, that at the moment, Milwaukee holding... Uh, a slender 28 and a half game lead over the Pistons in the Eastern Conference standings. So, uh, as you mentioned, the Bucks haven't lost to the Pistons in a long time. And you already spoke about Thon Maker, Christian Wood, throw in Tony Snell, throw in John Henson, throw in Brandon Knight. Uh, it is essentially an easy way to come out of the All Star break with a little inter squad scrimmage at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. And I actually had to double check this because I asked Bud about the fact that they're going to be playing against these teams. And I said, Bud, I know, I know you've coached against teams that you've coached before, but this is a little bit different. You've only been in Milwaukee for 
a season and a half and you're going to be coaching a team with four players that you have coached with the Milwaukee Bucks this Thursday and three big guys. The, the Detroit Pistons is like the, uh, the Milwaukee big man graveyard. It's like where if, if guys can't get minutes with the Bucks, it's like Pistons are just like, ah, we'll take them. I don't know how many big guys we've got in this team, but we'll take you. We'll take your scraps. Like, uh, that's, that's totally fine. So it's going to be interesting to see these guys play, particularly Thon and Christian, as you said, have been getting minutes. But uh, ultimately, it's, it's going to be fun to watch the Bucks play again. They, they tip off at 6 o'clock tonight, so it's a little bit earlier of a start. And before we wrap this up, i got to tell you this, Frank. I was out tonight. I was getting some dinner. I was getting a beer. And, and a guy came up behind me and said, hey, Kane, and I turned around. And he was like, hey, I, I just want to say hello. He said, my name's Alex. I run social media for The Hop. And uh, I just, you know, straight away, I, I know we had the, the conversation about The Hop and Rocky Rococo and the, the social media <laughs> stuff we've been doing for these companies. And uh, he was like, yeah, I just want to say hello um, and, and say, listen to the pod, fans of the pod. And I said, well, it's, it's great that you're a fan of the pod because I'm a fan of the hop. And uh, I said, I think that there's probably no one in Milwaukee that's put more social media uh, attention on the hop than I have. So I know the hop derailed uh, last week. I saw that on social media. I said, I think there was a snowplow that uh, unfortunately uh, scraped the rails and forced the hop to derail. So it's definitely not the hop's fault. That would never derail. I'm on the hop daily. And I was on the hop the day after it derailed. You know, that's the type of confidence I've got in wow. this machine. Uh, I'm not afraid and, and neither should anyone else. But I just wanted to point out the hop social media uh, manager, Alex, came over and said hello tonight. So I really appreciate that. Wow. This is like if we were, you know, like high school friends and we each had like our, our you know, secret <laughs> crushes. And, you know, then your crush like asked you to the prom and, and my crush still hasn't given me the free pizza that God damn it. I deserve for talking about Rocky or Coco so damn much. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not holding out much hope that Rockies will ever, uh, ever, ever acknowledge me, but I also don't want to just like, you know, at them and be like, yo, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about you guys. Like, where's, you know, where's my free breadsticks. Right. Um, cause I feel like that's all, that's all desperate. Right. Well, thirsty as the it's kids may say, I don't know. Do the kids say that? I don't know. It's going to um, be organic. Yeah, you got to just exactly, you know, you got to just, you got to just let it happen. And, you know, if it, uh, if it happens and it's magical and, and we'll see. But, uh, yeah, in the meantime, I will, um, still eat obscene amounts of Rocky or Cocoa slices when I, uh, when I'm home in Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, I, Rockies, you're missing out. You're not listening and you're missing out. But I'm glad at least came that, uh, the hop, the hop has taken notice. So shout out to Alex from the hop. Uh, yeah, maybe you can get some uh, free rides on a free uh, streetcar. Wouldn't that be a nice little bonus? That's still, maybe that's, that's still the problem. It's like I don't know what I don't know. I don't know how. What can they can, give you? I, I mean, maybe we can get like a lockdown box, like like symbol or logo on the, on the hop or something like that. I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to sort of get any benefit out of this. But I, I'm with you. I you know, Rocky Rococo. If anyone's listening from you guys. I said on New Year's Day, you guys got me through a hangover forever. Since then, I've been indebted to you guys. Let's get some free pizza going for the for the fellas. Like we we need something. We're always we're always you know you know you don't sponsor the pod, but here we are. We're talking about you again. So yeah. give us something back. Give back. I probably asked you this, but um, did you when you ate Rockies? Did you, you? I assume you got like a slice. What did you remember? What you got? Yeah, we got a slice. 
I didn't know. I didn't know it was like pepperoni or something like that. And we got some breadsticks. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, my uh, my long-standing view of Rockies is you're better off getting a full full pizza. Like it just yeah. tastes a bit better. Um, but it's also not practical in a lot of cases, right? Like when I was home, I I, I think I went. I like snuck out over the course of eight days. I think I went and snuck out uh, during Christmas shopping. I think I stopped at like three or four times. I went to either the Rockies in uh, Brown Deer or uh, or Bayshore, which is just like pathetic. But you know, I knew I was I'm, I'm here. I'm home like once a year. So come on, sue me, right? Uh, but yeah, I just like I literally showed up one day when it was like a, like it opened at like eleven. I showed up and like the first person there just. It's <laughs> chomping away on on slices <laughs> fresh out of the oven, uh, and I just I got breadsticks the first time. The, the next time I just bought three slices, no breadsticks. I was like, you know what, pizza's yeah. pizza's the main thing. I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go the breadsticks route. I'm just gonna focus on the pizza, just savor it. I think I got two two pepperoni, one one uh, one cheese. Just really hit the spot. So um, anyway. I think we've I think we've had enough. We've we've podcast for way too long. I have to do it's like midnight and I have to do like a bunch of work because I was driving for like three and a half hours today. So um so yeah, this is gonna be a miserable night, Kane, but I'm glad we were able to connect it. It uh it brightened my night, let's just say that. With a, a sick wife, a potentially future sick child, uh and a lot of work I still have to do. Uh, I'm I'm glad we were able to reconnect and uh yeah, uh, let's talk tomorrow. It's been too long. But uh thankfully um uh, we might not have to talk about the hop or rockies tomorrow night because the bucks are actually playing so i mean that's the positive for, for us and also everyone that's listening hearing uh our bi-weekly conversation about rocky rococo's pizza so we will leave it there like i said 6 p.m tonight bucks a first bucks b at little caesar's arena in detroit 6 p.m for frank madden and myself game pitman We'll speak to you guys then.